Alright, we are back. Wizard. We are back. We are back for another episode of the T-Wiz podcast. Tony Marks, Wiz Kappa, how are you, good, buddy? thanks, mate. Been a good week. Had a massage. Feeling good. Another massage? Went down and saw uh, Alex's mate. Is that the guy down in Brighton? Wasn't a rubber tug, but I did ask. Did. I said, John, how long have you got to stop that? I said, get going for two hours. No, I felt good. I had a bit of acupuncture. And you got your masturbating shoulder fix, back in action? Yeah, fixing your back, fixing your shoulder. I'm feeling 31 again. 58, yeah. but look 31. Good plastic surgeon. Yeah. So three cheers for Alex and three cheers for John. Three cheers for both of them. So, Mate, but what, what else has been happening this week? You've been in the kitchen? Or, you know, been whipping up any of those yeah. Warwick Kappa sausages in the barbecue? I did some um, Warwick Kappa hot dogs for, uh, for the grand final. You did How too. good was that? Mate, that was bloody great. Supposed to have eight people, had 60. It's fantastic. And a great grand final. No, we didn't. We had eight people here and they were all family. <laughs> don't shake your head, Tony. We had eight people and they're all, and they're all family, so it was good. I don't know what you're talking about. What a great mate. grand final. Great grand I think, final. Fancy being 18 points down, Tony, and then 40 minutes later, yeah. they lose by 74 points. Yeah. I mean, what, a, what a game. Massive turnaround. That's oh, the biggest, was that the biggest victory or the biggest score? That was the biggest under, um, biggest uh, consecutive goals in history, 16 goals unanswered. Unbelievable. So they're 18 points down. I think, oh, there might be a chance. And then 10 minutes later, they're six goals down. Mate, it was an incredible was un- game. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? It was unbelievable. So I reckon they got a chance to have a dynasty like Richmond now. I reckon they can win a couple of flags. Yeah, if they're mate, Fennigham. Yeah, there's uh, all the, the demon supporters are up and about right now, aren't they? Anyway, Tony, enough about me. Let's enough talk about you. What do you think of me? I Caps goes you. boom. <laughs> there it is. Caps goes boom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, uh, anything else exciting been happening during the week? Yeah, a few things, mate. Yeah? yeah. Um, Any cameos or memos? Yeah, averaging three or four a day now. That's good. You are. So book us through, uh, they can book us through the cameo site or the um, memo site. Or Pickstar. What do they get? What do they get when they call one of those sites, mate? What do they get from the whiz? Well, they give me the three points of excitement, and they say a minute. But I, if I like them, I'm going to give them two minutes. Really? Yeah. And I'm the highest paid there in AFL history, so I checked all the prices. I'm happy getting 160. I'm worth that. Are you really? Dipper gets 30. He deserves that. He deserves. <laughs> he deserves that. No, he's all right, Dipper. Dipper gets 30 dollars. No, it's going all right, mate. Thanks for asking. So if anyone wants to book one for their family or the Father's Day, which is already gone, birthdays, <laughs> it's but, a good idea. Yeah, well, maybe they can get one in advance. Hey, yeah. Wes, I've got to tell you, today, tonight is a, uh, a really special show. During the week this week, a like a legend of the Melbourne music scene. Um, Josie Jason, it was uh, yeah. like really uh, quite a profound human being and um, just a, a beautiful soul. And she, she was a music icon, wasn't she? She was. She, pa- yeah. she passed away a number of years ago and she would have turned 60 this week. And, um, you know, to celebrate her and obviously to celebrate the stories of our guests coming up tonight, we've got two incredible guests. Let's, who, do, a, let's, do, a, let's do a tribute to her, um, the shows about her. Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll do, do a tri- tribute to Josie. Because uh, she's a friend of Nats who's coming up. As a, as I've heard. Yeah, she really is. And as a, as a part of that tribute... It's going to be fantastic. We've, uh, we've brought on two guests that are coming on throughout the course of the evening that yep. ha- are intrinsically linked to her through not just friendships... Um, music. But, but music and, um, and are really sort of woven in with her in terms yep. of the uh, musical culture of Melbourne. One of those is the incredible uh, Nat Ellison. Yep. She'll be on in our next segment tonight. Uh, an incredible guitar she's, player. I she's one of the best. She is absolutely incredible. She's been uh, playing around the Melbourne music scene since she was 13 years old. Oh, unreal. Yep. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, she's a uh, child prodigy that's turned into an incredible uh, m- musician and a great songwriter in her own right. And a-, a little bit later in the show, we've got uh, the legendary guitarist from the Screaming Jets, Mr. Jimmy the Human Hocking. Great. So that is going to be incredible. I heard... You hear that? The- fantastic. I'm not a lead singer, Screaming Jets. Really? Yeah, you know Dave? Yep. Dave's gone to the Angels now. 
Yeah, Dave's doing some work with the Angels. I mean, he's doing a great job too. And I used to go out with his um, the wife of the guitarist, Brister's. Really? Mm. Just a small little fact. I thought I'd throw that one in. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I like the Angels. They're fantastic. I don't know whether Mrs. Minogue's going to be very happy hearing that you and had another love back in Mandy, the day. Mandy helped them sell 3.8 million albums. Yeah. And memorabilia. She well, did well. The, uh, the Screaming Jets are actually got the 30th anniversary of the All For One album. What a great band, um, eh? Love band. Yeah, 30 years since yep. uh, All For One. I mean, you know, the old the, the Australian classic of uh, Better. What a, what a great song. But that band... Uh, do, they strip, do they sing, am I ever going to see your face again? <laughs> That'd be Is the that Angels. Them? That's the Angels. Well, close, eh? Close. What's their best song, Screaming Jets? I well, went, I mean, I, I went to they, they've, they've, they've got dozens but, of great songs, but they're probably their most widely known song that is uh, uh, probably a showstopper at the end of the night is better. That's right. Yeah. But um, so Nat Allison and Jimmy Hocking both coming up later in the yep, show. It's going to be great. Uh, it's obviously going to be a great show. A dedication to Josie Jason. Happy birthday, Josie. Happy 60th. Happy 60th. In, yep. uh, you know, in the universe where you uh, preside over us and are probably rocking away. We love you. And this is the T-Wiz podcast. Tony Marks and Laura Kappa will be back with Nat Ellison. We are back for another segment. That's going to be great. It's going to be great. Coming up next is somebody that I'm a huge fan of. I've been, uh, I've been watching her, not in a weird way, but uh, around Melbourne. I've been watching you. <laughs> na, 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 na. <laughs> Uh, for for years, uh, I've uh, I've known of Nat since she first started playing through mutual friends in the music industry. You've been pumping her up for four weeks. So I, I think I, I think she's worth it. Yeah, be I, fantastic. I'm really excited to have her in the studio today. Give a big T whiz round of applause for Nat Ellison. Welcome yeah. to the show, Nat. I can't wait to hear a song. It's going to be great. Thank you. Oh, cheers for Natty. It's great to have you. How are you? I, I'm really good. Now, That's actually, good. it's good being here. It is good being here. It's um, a very energetic environment. I'm loving it. <laughs> it <laughs> certainly is. Lucky the footage finished. So <laughs> we've come down a couple of bars. Yeah, from, a couple, from, from last couple, week, haven't we? Just a couple yeah. of bars. Looking forward to hearing your song, love. It's going to be fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, we yeah. are. We are going to be playing um, your yeah. new single uh, at the end of this segment. Um, so what's it, what's it called, Nat? It's called "We Are the Heroes." Is it on? Uh, is it on? Download it. Not um, yet, not yet. Next Friday. Right. Yep. yep. Next yep. Friday. Yep. But um, let's Great. let's let's get to the bottom of. Uh, I mean, you know, get for what we can do here in the TWIZ environment. Tell us how it all started for you. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, you're uh, you're known around town as an incredible guitar player. Um, you know, great musician, great songwriter. Everybody inside the industry, obviously, you know, loves and admires you. Tell us a little bit about how Nat Ellison got started. Yeah, when, when did you start? Love? When did it all began? Well, I started playing guitar at. Uh, eight years of age, but my obsession with the electric guitar came when I was still in nappies. Oh, so, how good's that? Um, <laughs> I, wish we, I wish we had the Stratocaster here now. Yeah. We could let it go, get loose. I didn't, I didn't start learning then, but um, <clears throat> my obsession definitely started then. As you can imagine, it was the 80s. So yeah. the lead guitar player was as much of a front person as the lead singer was. Uh, you know, you think... I love the uh, 80s. Richie Sambora. I, I, I love 80s. Yeah, exactly. Eddie Van Halen. I, I can see you yeah. sliding along the floor <laughs> with an electric guitar for sure, like they did back in the 80s. I went and saw Bon Jovi. Were you yeah. here earlier? Yeah, it's fantastic. Hey? Were you here earlier? Yes, it was a great era, great era for music too, wasn't it? But it great was era. fascinating. And, and those guitar players, I was just mesmerised. You know, I'd be watching any time there was Countdown or Rage or any of those video shows on, I'd be watching the lead guitar player thinking – that is the coolest job in the world. Yeah. I want to be that. Yeah, right. So I bugged my dad year after year. Buy me an electric guitar. Come on, come on, come on. 
finally he said to me, well, you've been going on about this for years. I think I better buy you an electric guitar, but you're going to have to learn it. I said, whatever it takes, Dad, just get me that guitar. And that's kind of how it started. Dad was a big supporter of you in the early days, wasn't he? Yeah, huge. Yeah. And, yeah. and we Fantastic. were talking on the phone the other day and you were yeah. telling me that you used to have quite a few conversations yeah. with him, which I didn't realise that. Yeah, so. because I, I, I used <clears> to, back in the 90s, you know, it was hard to get a gig when I first started. So, you know, I basically started getting work in venues, booking bands. I figured, well, I'm going to get a gig if I'm the guy booking them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I was obviously um, aware of you at the time. And so I'd speak with uh, Zarko. Is that your dad's yeah, name? Yep. Yeah, yep. I remember I sp- spoke to your dad multiple times. Um, was your dad in music? Yeah. Um, he, he never got the opportunity to play, um, but he loved he was a big music fan. He loved it. He could sing a little bit. He yep. was Croatian. Right. And um, so I think that's why he wanted to support me to do it because he never had the opportunity himself coming from the country he came from and, yep. you know, his parents and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Uh, he he would have been really obviously pr- protecting his uh, his little girl too when yeah. you first started. I mean, how old were you when you first got your first gig? Started doing gigs? Uh, well, my first residency was at the Edinburgh Castle in Brunswick. Yep. Um, I was fronting a band called Hip Shot, which was they ha- it was all guys in their mid thirties, and I was only thirteen years old. Wow, so Brunswick. obviously, That's yeah, yeah. Brunswick's real mighty culture, isn't it? Bit, it was a bit wild back then. Yeah, well, everywhere was. I've done a few footy shows in Brunswick. It's great. Yeah, it's was, a good was Hip Shot named after the bass player's headstock? You know, well, actually, yeah. the bass player came up with it. Yep. But um, he kind of it was just like. A shot from shot from the hip kind of thing. Remember oh, those? Uh, remember those? Pretty hip, terrible th- names. Those things you first can get band. on your um on your headstock to basically drop the yeah. tuning of your guitar. Yeah, yeah. fancy yeah. being thirteen, the first yeah. gig. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. great. So, uh, that been scary. Was it exciting? It, I was I was a very shy kid, so it was very scary for me. But my dad just kept yep. pushing me to do it, and I'm glad he did because if he didn't, I wouldn't have such an amazing life yep. that I that I've been able to have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, I, he just gave me the extra push that I needed, so I was lucky to have him. Fantastic. Yeah. So was that original music or cover music? What were you playing back then? Yeah, so when I first started, it was all just cover music, and yep. it was a good way to cut my teeth and, you know, play get other the, people's songs. And get and the things. Yeah, get, exactly. Get the, get the, get the vibe in the, at the shows. Yeah, get your craft going on stage yep. and all that sort of stuff. And Who, yeah, who was, who was getting, your favourite guitar player back then? Getting your nerves out of the way. Who, oh. who was, who was the, the person? Probably around then, I was introduced to uh, Jimmy Page and Jimi Hendrix. Yep. I thought you so might say that. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Left-hander. Yeah. <laughs> it was cool, wasn't he? Very cool. Foxy lady. Exactly. Wow. Wow. Foxy lady. Capper on the wawa. And I heard off a little black duck that net net. was actually playing with Susie Cordray. She did. Is yeah. that true? Yep. Yes, yes. How good's that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so how did that all come how about? How famous Matt? is that? Well, that came along um, quite a few years later. Yep. Uh, I was around 30 years of age by then. But um, prior to that, I'd been I'd been working with um, a legendary producer-songwriter named Mike Chapman. I'd been working with him since I was about 18 years of age. Um, and we'd written a lot of songs together f- for me. Yep. And uh, we are on a Skype call one day and he said, oh, I'm going to do the new Susie Quattro record would you like to I'd, – I'd really love you to play on it because I trust what you can do and I can get what, get, get what I need from you and that sort of thing. Would you be interested in coming over? It's like, would I be interested? <laughs> I mean – She's iconic. Yeah. 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 Leather Tuscadero, so, right? She's like, she's like, Wizard, she's <laughs> yeah. like Wizard Kappa. She's yeah. like iconic, that girl. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and she was even on the Fonzie show, remember? Yeah, happy days. Yeah, you le- guys le- need to tus- do a spot together. That would yeah. be fun. Su- Susie and the Wiz. <laughs> yeah. Wow. She was a great bass player, wasn't she? 
Yeah, very good. Still <laughs> is, still yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, she's phenomenal. Um, well, Wiz is yeah. a drummer, so, I mean, they'd be a great rhythm section. There Imagine that. So we should have a jam one day, all of us. Yeah. Well, what was I thinking? So <laughs> she actually, so I went over to London. I, I did the recording session with her. She got to know me and um, and then we kept in contact over the years via email. So a few years later, she said to me, I'm coming out to Australia, as she always does. But she said, I'm doing a festival this time and it's not feasible for me to bring my guys out from London. Nat, can you put a band together for me? I didn't know you were a drummer. Warwick, what was I thinking? Oh, I could have be, asked you. I might be having a little jam with so. her. You and her, you I, I, and Nat, Nat and her, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Per- Warwick has perked right up right now. Yeah. He's, uh, <laughs> He'd have number one record in 985. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Sold 900,000 copies. That was in week one. I did have 700,000 fans and other 200,000 hated the guts, but it doesn't matter. It's all, it's all people. Yep. $20 is $20, right? I mate. only take what's mine. <laughs> but if I had known, I would have asked you, but I didn't. So I got some other guys to play and... Um, and ever since then, she keeps using us every year she yes. comes out, which is really good. So it's nice. We've got a nice relationship and we've written a few songs together as well. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah, so that's, a, that's an ongoing relationship, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, we would have done a tour last year. We would have done a tour this year, but yep. obviously the pandemic. So yeah, it's been fingers not, crossed. It's been a nightmare for the entertainment industry. It's been very, yeah. hard, very so hard for us. You guys yeah. have got a pretty good relationship now after all this time, you and Susie? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, it's yeah, it's not just a working relationship; it's a friendship as well, and yep. we check in on each other and all that sort of thing. So it's yeah, it's nice. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. Yeah, so I mean, over the years, the Nat Allison band has taken a range of different shapes. You know, you've had you know different uh, different lineups and you know different approaches to the sound. Yeah. You know, where did that start, and and what sort of journey have you gone on to develop your sound over the years with that band? Uh, well, I guess I've always the stuff I I like a big range of music. If a song's good, it's good. I don't care what genre it is. But the stuff that I tend to write <coughs> well and tend to go towards is the rock sort of vibe. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's always kind of been the rock pop sort of sort of thing. And um, I started the whole Nat Allison original concept really that began with Mike Chapman, who I mentioned earlier. Yep. And then it kind of grew from there. Yep. And so in more recent years, I've just been doing writing music on my own and that sort of thing. Yep. And how's, yeah. how's your songwriting evolved over the years, do you think? I mean, what, um, you know, what, how has that sound or the approach changed for you? Yeah, um, I think I, I learnt a lot in those years that I was working with Mike, which is really fantastic about, you know, crafting a song and all that sort of thing and... Um, He's a really great lyricist, which I always felt that I wasn't so good at, but I feel I'm getting, uh, I feel like I'm much better at it now. Finding your voice a little yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yep. exactly. Just being yep. more confident with it and, and that sort of thing. And yeah, it's always evolving, but I tend to stay around that kind of rock, rock vibe. Rock genre. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's where you feel most at home. Yeah, yeah. So what's happening with the Nat Allison band now? I mean, obviously we know that everything's kind of, you know, on the pause button due to you know, Melbourne being, you know, most of Australia being in lockdown. Yep. But aside from that, I mean, as an artist, as a writer and a creator, surely, you know, the creative juices are still flowing and uh, you've still got something in the pipeline. Yeah, definitely. Well, I must say the one positive thing about the pandemic last year was that I got to spend more time in my studio. Um, My partner and I moved into our new house in Preston 
and um, uh, so we set up a studio. We're going to insert some sort of derogatory remark. Yeah. <laughs> my fiance was brought up there. Okay, Preston. <laughs> Preston. Is that is that someone coming up from Preston? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a joke. We'll bit that out. <laughs> yeah, so um. yeah, I got to. Um, it, it was good. I had a bit more time to set up the studio and and um, get back into writing again because I hadn't been writing for a couple of years. So that was nice. So I've got new stuff. And then once we came out of lockdown this year, I was able to record a couple of songs. And um, so I'm going to release one of them next Friday, October right. 8th. Yep. Yeah. And, and what's that one called, Nat? We Are The Heroes. And w- what was the inspiration behind that we're one? We're going to play it later. We are. It's going to be played straight after this segment. And we're going to come and um, support you next year. That would be amazing. Yeah, we're going to we're going we're gonna to uh, corral the T-Wiz audience. And I'm going to mention on Fox FM for you, but I've got a bit of a segment once a week so I'm going to mention it on there for you thank you very much push the song for you so um yeah so tell us a little bit about the song how how did that come about um what was the inspiration behind that track yeah well I guess um initially yeah the whole you know the pandemic pandemic everyone being locked up you know mums and dads having to homeschool um the entertainment industry being not being able to get out and play and how how many how many many shows have you lost boys 180 (laughs) Yeah. Only three hundred grand. And, and they keep <laughs> they keep growing. Even though they don't throw up birthday next week, it's gone too. Yeah. That's got been cancelled in yep. January, so no, decided he's not so he's not having a birthday at all if you can't come. The trades haven't got it easy, two weeks. Try yeah. eight, eighteen months. Yeah. Entertainment. It's hard, isn't it? Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. It definitely is. All the pubs are shut yeah. down, all the footy clubs are shut down. Because it, it's not just financial, no. it, it's what you like to do for your soul yeah. too, isn't it? That was like you my friend Con today, he likes making mouth guards and now he's getting depressed too because he likes doing it. Can't do it. Yeah. And I just like, like I like talking to people, meeting great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly been a tough time for artists, but, um, you know, and uh, I don't really know, you know, how people are going to recover from this in the short term. But um, yeah, I guess... It's hard to know. You know, all, take, all we can do is... It's going to take a long time, yeah. All we can do is just, you know, everybody just sort of keep pushing forward. I mean, you know, yeah. get out there and support artists, go and see live original music, buy yeah. local artists' music. Yeah. yeah, get exactly. on their websites and buy their T-shirts. Go to the gigs when they get to start happening again. Yeah, and yeah. Yep. but and that's you know some of the that's the reason why I wanted to write a song. It w- I didn't want to write a song that was sad and depressing. You know, there's enough of that at the moment. I wanted to yeah. you know, write something that was anthemic and you know something to uplift people because yep. I thought they needed it and just yep. encourage people like you know we're going to get through this and. You know, one day we're going to look at this and we're not even going to remember it anymore. Yeah, hopefully, and hopefully it's gone yeah. next year, another six months. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it's a memory. It's shocking, isn't it? Yeah. It's, hard, it's hard to believe it's happening, isn't it? Yeah, it still, still is hard, yeah. even after all this time. Yeah. yeah. So th- this song, it's a part of a, a larger album release? Um, well, just well due to financial stuff in the last sort of um, 18 months, I kind of just doing a single at the moment, yep. and I'm also going to release a limited edition vinyl seven inch record. Right. So it's going to feature "We Are the Heroes," um, and then on the B side, actually, it's going to feature a song called "Killing Time," which I co-wrote with Susie Quattro. Fantastic! So that'll be yes. a nice little thing well, to yeah. come out. What a lot of people don't realise these days <coughs> is that album sales don't really exist anymore for artists. So a massive stream of income that used to be there. Is, gone, is now gone, yeah, no. you know, so you've got the streaming platforms. Most people, you know, you can listen to music on Spotify for free if you listen to the ads. You know, if you subscribe to... You Which know, means the artist gets less if you're on you, that you, um, yeah, yeah, that's right. version if, of it. If, if you're a non-paid uh, listener to Spotify, the 
commissions to the artists are yeah, less than for... I've, I've sold about 7,000 made hardly anything already yeah. so far. Well, so send me down, but you don't, you don't keep all that. Well, let me put mm. that in perspective for you. It's hard, it's hard for the artist. The artist gets approximately $4,000 per million streams on Spotify. Is that all? Yeah. Right? So, and when you take away the fact that, uh, that an artist used to generate... You could sell a thousand albums at twenty thousand at twenty dollars. You make twenty grand. Yeah. Mm. That was a massive a part of the lifeblood of the, um, especially the songwriting. That's, you know, what, that's, what, that's yeah. why all the big brands tour now. That's where the money is. You can only make money through tour, touring and, and merchandising, yeah. mm. and through. Yeah. That's why people need to get on Nat Allison's website, which is natallison.com. Is it .au or just um, .com? Just .com, So yeah. get on there and support her, mate. That's hard out there. So Nat Allison, so A-L-L-I-S-O-N yep. is the correct spelling of the surname. Nat's got T-shirts and all different kinds of things on her website. So, you know, to support Nat, get on there, buy the T-shirts, buy the vinyl. Yeah, you know. so that'll be up soon and, yeah, exactly. And that's why I thought it was a good idea to release the vinyl as well because it's yep. a little bit of a way to make back what I've spent on the True. recording yeah. which yeah. is just thousands of dollars like it's another yep. thing that people don't realise is how much you money you out. invest in, it, into it, it as it well it costs several thousand to do a song yeah and like my track sets here so you yeah. can move those out you're going to recoup your money <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about mouth guards and memorabilia yeah, exactly it's not cheap I'm going to buy one of your t-shirts man Tony will support you we love it <laughs> we will thank you we will and we'll come out in January February next gig absolutely and so um, I mean as a as a part of that process of Jeez people that. getting getting on the website and, and supporting the you know the with the merchandise with the vinyl I mean the other thing about releasing a vinyl Nat is that you know, these days, the experience of listening to music, it's, you know, it's fleeting. You know, you've got... Yeah, vinyl's come back now. It's big. The, the, vi- there, the, old, the old days... Vinyl's coming back. Remember <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 45s? Yeah, that's... Yeah, Shit exactly. You know, the, the experience of getting your favourite artist's album and actually having some artwork, oh, something something tactile, yes. liner yes, notes. exactly. Like up there. I love the reading all of that stuff. Same. Same. Yeah. Yeah. What's up there? Oh, yes. All the yeah. old albums. All the old albums. Yeah, it's great. You know, I mean, you, you think about some of the artwork on the like Electric Ladyland or Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Elton John or even Sergeant Pepper. Sergeant Pepper, yeah. the, the old Kiss album covers. Yeah, you know, Kiss yeah. has had nine albums. Ten, oh, now albums. they've got some great merchandise. I know. <laughs> my, my, they fr- do. my friend, my friend sells it. He's just on the Swans website. Oh right. And he's a proper uh, Kiss merchandiser. He's got yeah. five million dollars in his house. Stuff. Oh. It's unbelievable. Holy moly. It's got a whole house full of kiss shit. Yeah. And swan stuff. It's full on. So, Nat, obviously, you know, you, you know you're know, you a constant creator. You're a, you know incredible artist, a great performer, a, a, like a virtuoso on the guitar. Um, you know, we obviously love having you here. You, do you think that, uh, you know, in a few months' time, you know, if everything clears up, that we can get you into the studio with us, that we can uh, we can have a, another conversation about what you're doing, maybe yeah. talk about some of your shows that are coming up? I'll, pa- I'll, awesome. pay, I'll pay drummers with her. Yeah, should I, let's do it. Let's I mean, do a gig here. Yeah, we should do a gig, and we should <laughs> we should do, do a, we should bring a song That'd out. That'd be fun. Me, me, Nat. Hey, now we're talking. Me, me, Matt, and um, the can, the can. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking that, that we, we should uh, when when the uh, lockdown's over, we should have a tea whiz barbecue, right, to raise funds for uh, for for artists that have been hit yeah. hard, and we'll sell Warwick Kappa sausages. Like I've done that, I've done that with our writer because he put a song out yesterday online. Ah. a lockdown song. Yeah, right. Dale yeah. is yeah. awesome. Yeah, Dale Brent is Chris awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I've got so parents through his daughters. Dale has yeah. a little bit of real estate on the wall in the yeah, cabin yeah, cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shannon, Noel, Shannon, Noel, <laughs> Shannon Noel got a, a, a one-minute video for his brother. <laughs> he played the seconds and that's as far as he got, so I had to bag a shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I waived the $108 fee for that. He didn't re- re- reach the lofty heights of the wizard, <laughs> nah. mate. 
He's good, Shannon. Don't so, Nat, uh, obviously, coming up after this, we've got your great mate, Jimmy Hocking. Oh, I love him. He's uh, You guys are just so intrinsically connected through music. What's Jimmy do, guitar player? He's a great guitar player, guitar player for the Screaming Jets. You know, yep. and, um, guitar he, player for himself. Yeah, yep. he, he has a story I saw the Screaming Jets 10 years ago, though, Shit in Brisbane. Yeah, they're incredible. I was actually uh, under them in the same motel. Yeah, right. So it was a good night. Lucky you. We got shit faced in the spa. It's gross. <laughs> Mate, you, you couldn't drive around Melbourne in the 1980s without seeing Jimmy, uh, Jimmy the Human Hocking written on a pub yep. wall in chalk. Mm. You know, that was back in the day where it was Jimmy the Human Hocking and Spectre Se- Seven and uh, Josie Jason. And, and the now Argonauts. he's the singer of the Angels, yep. isn't he? Uh, he's no, no, um, no. That's Dave. He's the that's singer Dave. from the Screaming Yes. Yeah. Yep. But um, Nat. Um, we're going to be doing a, a segment with Jimmy coming up. After that, a bit later in the show, are you happy to come back and have a chat with all of us? I'd love to. I hope so. That'd be absolutely... I wouldn't want to miss out on that chat. <laughs> I wouldn't want you three to cheers either. Nat, three cheers for Warwick and three cheers for Tony. Nat, do you reckon that you could uh, take us to the break and introduce the song that's about to start playing? Of course you can. Yes. This one's called We Are The Heroes and thank you for listening to T-Wiz. Nat Allison. Woo! Number one. Many, we Are The Heroes. Available October 8th. And get it very shortly. Come on,
are the heroes. Nat Ellison, what a great song, Wiz. Oh, one of the best I've heard. One of the best you've heard? That's actually up there with mine. I take what's mine and I'm telephone. You Very think good. it's that good? Very good. Up there. Yep. Top 10. Mate, that's high praise. <laughs> high praise is right. High no recommendation. It so. certainly is. Hey, uh, Wiz, guess who we've got coming up on the uh, show right now? Who? We have got the legendary guitar player from the Screaming Jets, Mr. Jimmy Hocking. Oh, Welcome to the show, Jimmy. Jimmy. I waited six months to see Jimmy and hear him hear his voice. <laughs> the Wiz and Tony, how are you guys? Oh, let's go again. Great, mate. Great, mate. Fantastic. How are you? Couldn't be better. Oh, I'm, good. I'm great. Living the, living the lockdown dream. Living the dream, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So was I. Living I, the dream or living in a dream, I think it's what I'm doing. I was right living now, a dream this way. I, I had a bulging disc. That was a, that was a, that was a nightmare. Last three yeah, days. Ball. Yeah, ball. Oh, yeah. Put, put the back out. Oh. oh, hang on. Wait a minute. We're doing ball jokes? We're back. I'm a bit slow. I'm, I'm no spring chicken now, you blokes know, yeah. right? I went and got some cupboards <laughs> for the hair too. That was great while I was here. Make it thicker. So, Jimmy, <laughs> mate, what, what's uh, what's happening in your world at the moment? You know, obviously the uh, the legendary guitar player from the Screaming Jets and the uh, Jimmy Hocking and the Blues Machine. Yeah, what's the latest, well, Jimmy? Uh, the latest is uh, as we're approaching uh, maybe uh, – Karma seas in the grand scheme of things. Uh, you know, the, in the world of the Screaming Jets, we've had to postpone our 30th anniversary tour, I think twice now, actually. So it's actually 30 years since the, the launch of the very first album the Jets recorded called All For One. All For One. So uh, whilst we've been in lockdown, uh, we've recorded an EP, which we did last year, called Bitter Pill. And we've actually re-recorded the first album from remote locations. So it was a bit of a technical task, but I think we've done a good job recreating that first record and we're really fighting the bit to get out there and uh and tour it again i think it comes out on vinyl actually this month october 22nd is the release date for the vinyl jimmy can you can you explain to listeners what the catalyst for re-recording the original album was well you know uh, I, I think that uh, there's a lot of su- people suppose this and that about what we're doing but at the end of the day the conversation really started uh, because, of course, the 30th anniversary is coming up, so we'll go out and tour. So, of course, that's what we'll do. Yep. But we don't own that uh, early catalogue anymore. You know, over the years of record companies uh, buying old publishing and stuff like that, you know, 30 years is a long time. And uh, we don't actually own the hard copy of the original All for One record. So yeah, we were right. contemplating how, what we would do. Would we get a licensing deal? Would we do this or that, the other? And I remember hearing that... Um, I think it was some old band like Scatterbrain or somebody like that years ago were in exactly that position. And they just went in the studio and, and re-recorded their first record. And we thought, well, look, why don't we just do, do that? The you know, then we'll own a copy and we can move forward on our own terms with that copy. So that's what we did. And it's good, and, Jimmy, how um, times have changed that people love vinyl now, last four years. They do. So it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, because it's yeah. like... <laughs> 70s, 80s, oh, isn't it? To, and to be oh, clear, to be clear oh, oh, Jimmy, the distinction is is that you, you, you didn't own the physical recording of that album, but you all, you still own the, the actual rights to the music. Yeah, that's correct. I, it's a, publishing is a complicated world, and at the end of the day, the songwriter themselves still always own uh, the works, you know, like the actual song compositions. But when you go in and, you know, if the record company in 1989 paid for the recording, part of their clause might be that they own a hard copy of that particular recording. Yep. So, and, and if people might remember, we should remember this in those days too with your record, that, uh, you know, um, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't uh, easy to make a record back then. You, you know, there wasn't no. home recordings and all that stuff available no, to you. That was back in You really had to have, yep. well, you had to have somebody bankroll your album really Correct. at the end of the day if you were yeah, making had, a major had, album. We had AMI bankroll, luckily. How did your album go, Wiz? Right. Sold 930,000 copies. <laughs> 
930,000. That's, that's how good it went. <laughs> that was opening weekend, Jimmy. And I had 840,000 fans and <laughs> of 120,000 hated me guts, so it didn't matter, Jimmy. I saw records and went number one. So, did that, actually, so when did you're asking, really number one? I don't watch sure what it yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because I had back awesome, rival swans and EMI, see? If you've got someone backing you, like you said, it helps. Yeah, that's right. That's, well, that's the way it was done in those days. You yeah, know, so, was, yeah. Somebody, you know, that, you signed a deal to get your album recorded because you, you couldn't afford to do it. Well, we couldn't, not in our own terms, you know. Yeah. So it's all, it's all, about, market, it's all about marketing, Jimmy, isn't it? That's right. It's been a of course, one, they, have a bar, they a, make a school, a film yeah, clip for you. I didn't make you know, much out of it, but it's, it's good publicity for Swans and me. And it's been did on, you get a couple of gold records, though? Like, yeah. Here's the thing. Never won, you know, I, I, never, never won a brown light, but I got a gold record in the Hall of Fame, so that's all right. And yeah, well, gold kicking trophy. You and me both, then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all have that one in common, Jimmy. It's been on one hit wonders, <laughs> last, it's been on one hit wonders last 20 years. <laughs> Jimmy, well, Jimmy listen, just jumping back to All for One for a moment, obviously, 30 year anniversary for the album. Iconic Australian yeah. album. Uh, huge. Huge uh, album that really propelled the Screaming Jets into Huge. the uh, into the you know cultural fabric of Australian music. The song "Better" has always been a showstopper at your live gigs. Yep, um, still is great yep, song. Yep, you know I've seen. And, uh, you seen... know, I, I was just sorry. I, I'm just thinking out loud because you know it was a bit daunting because that first record, even after all these years, if you put that record on, it's a great record. Great record. It stands the, the test of time beautifully, and I can understand why hardcore fans might look at us and go, what are you doing messing with that first record? But, you know, it was more political than artistic in the, to get the conversation going. Yep. Uh, but I think we've done a good job. I, I'm actually, over the years, of course, we've changed a few things that we do live in those songs. There's Everything evolves solos. over time, doesn't it? Of, of course it does. And I, I, I felt like it was, I was actually really happy we were going to do it because I, I wanted to get those extra bits and pieces, you know, on tape, as it were that we now do and you know of course with this a slightly different lineup now to the very original lineup but that's just that's just rock and roll because you can't keep the gang together over 30 years no. sometimes it's only the minority of bands that have ever managed to do that not even the rolling stones did that you know that's true I, watching some of your guitar videos that you put online on your facebook channel and youtube channel i've seen oh, yeah. you do um you, you you made a video where you showed the evolution of just the the riff and better for example how you played that's different right variations of that over time yeah well I, I joined the band in 93 so i'm uh you know i'm uh, the new guitar player because uh you in know that's not only been in the band well, yeah, yeah what's that 30, uh, 28 29 years it's a long time um yeah. but uh, you know i uh even when i came into the band you, the, the, the fellow grant Wormsley who wrote that song even he had already changed the way he wanted to play the riff in better uh, two two and a half years into the band's history, yeah, right. so you know, so we all came along and added a little bit of this and that because on the record there's probably about three or four parts, and so you don't really do them with two guitar players live anyway. Yep. So uh, and then I had a few new ideas and I came up with a, with a way to do it like this or that, and just like you say, things just evolved. It, um, you know, sort of building in dynamics from live performances and just adding in those little nuances, I guess, over time. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and you, you kind of can't help it. It's it's kind of part of the artistic process to just mess with things and and see what what else you can get out of them. I suppose. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fantastic. I mean, obviously, since '93, you've been a part of the Jets. In terms of songwriting and the you know the collaborative process for the band, how is it now in terms of the current songwriting process? Well, it's you know it's a funny thing because I, I I've made a bunch of records on my own terms. You know that I have my former actor Jimmy the Human and Inspector Seventh thing. I made a couple of albums like that. Yep. And even in the blues world, I've made actually 
I've, uh, I think I've made 15 albums of my, of myself. Yeah, fair effort. And, um, who, does and, the, who, who does all the writing, Jimmy? You, you do that together with the band? Uh, well, well not not really. We, we sort of do bits of it together. It's, uh, it's a funny thing to distinguish because we have to kind of quantify what songwriting is sometimes between us because the bass player, Paul Wazine, he's always been probably the major songwriter in the band. And, yep. you know, when we did a, we did an album called Chrome about five years ago, and Dave and I really wanted to get the ball rolling. So he and I started writing some songs just to get that going. But in the end, we both agreed that our songs didn't really sound so much like Jet songs. They're a bit too bluesy and stuff. Yep, and yeah. Paul, the way he writes, it sounds more like the Screamy Jets uh, sound, even to yeah, us, yep. you know. So we kind of charge. Yeah, we he, yeah. he is, and we, we we kind of set him the task. It's like, come on, Paulie, yeah, yeah. get yeah, that get that head going and get some get some songs. So so he'll write some basic ideas, and then we'll all get together and we'll develop them from there. Is it the so, fact that he, as a bass player, kind of creates that underlying feel that is the Jets feel? That I think is it is. Influential? I really do. Yeah, I think it is. He's just got a certain tone about the way he writes. And a certain sort of lyrical approach, which is kind of dark, but a little bit, but not morose. It's hard to explain, but uh, I, I just think when I hear what he writes, it's, I, I say, yeah, that sounds like a Jet song. Then I write something, yep. I think, yeah, that probably belongs more on a blues rock album, perhaps. You know, not to say we won't use it, but it's it's got a certain sound to it, you know. Yeah. Well, speaking of more blues orientated music, um, you know, we've spoken about this before. You know, as a teenager. In, in Melbourne in the 80s, uh, Jimmy Jimmy the Human Inspector 7. I mean, you guys were the bee's knees to me and all of the, I guess, the people coming up, aspiring wannabe musicians as teenagers in that period of time, yourself and, you know, obviously Josie Jason and the Argonauts. Good on yeah. you, Jimmy. You were the bee's knees. The bee's Mate, knees. I'll tell you <laughs> what. Well, it's very nice of you to say so bee's knees. because we, don't, we didn't know. We were just doing our thing, you know, living in the moment just try to make it work. We had all, you know, our own kind of like worries of, of, of achieving what we wanted to do at the time. But looking back now, I, I think it's, it's nice to feel that we were part of a great uh, okay. uh, time in the Melbourne rock world, you know, and, and I, I often point out that it was probably one of the last great eras to produce yeah. a big handful of bands. And, you know, there was Nick Barker and myself in Melbourne. There was the Baby Animals. There was uh, even the Poor. There was the Jets. There was all these things kind of came out, Diesel, all around the same time. And we all did many, many gigs together over those next, say, three or four, you know, to five years while we established our careers, I suppose. Yep. And so it's not such a long bow to draw to, to realize that I ended up kind of coming into the Jets and, you know, various, uh, you know, even Richie, who, who I replaced in the Jets, he played in the choir boys for a stint. Yep. So we were all kind of part of a moving group of people who, who knew and worked together. So you, it you was were a really, really good time in music. You were really surfing right on the top of the wave and probably the, you know, almost the peak of the Melbourne music, music scene before it was overtaken by the, um, the introduction pokies? of pokies. Yeah. Well, it's just, you're exactly you're on the money there because yeah. that was a the, the pokies marked an, the end of that period in the, my book the pokies, and the pokies we then started into the, the, the well they kind of did you know yeah. I mean it yep. depends who you ask I suppose but from from my perspective you know they ruined a lot of gigs and uh, a lot of little pubs the Sydney Hotel places like that where the, like punk rock bands would play they all shut down and um, well, Mel you know, Melbourne, Melbourne was had, realistically was probably one of the had more band venues per capita than almost anywhere in the world at that yeah. time. 
And, it was remarkable. And, bridge, and bridge the, cult- the cultural yeah, precinct. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so many. The yeah. cultural behaviour of people back then in 1988, you know, on a Friday night or on a Saturday night, you know, at 6.30, you're watching Hey Hey It's Saturday and you're checking out all the great new acts and new bands and new comedians. Watching Countdown. And then by 10 o'clock, yeah, you're in the first. car or, you know, in a taxi and you're going to and a pub go. to see a band. Yeah. And you know what? In those days, we had a really good attitude. You'd go and see a band even if you didn't know them. I, yeah, I, I yeah. remember going to see at the Sandringham Hotel, or the, the Commodore, and those places on a Tuesday, or the or the Chevron on a Wednesday, or and just going to see whoever the, was the sand, on the Sandbelt. Yeah, Sandbelt. Exactly. I, I worked there. Yep. Yeah. Well, I we mean, just well, go down there. We didn't care who was on. We just go to see what was playing. SB. You know? Well, the the SB is probably, I guess, the um, you know, the pinnacle of a str- Melbourne original music and you've got yeah. a, a really i mean a really profound connection to that venue jimmy well i can tell you this that even now i still have a picture of myself up at the walls at one, yep. in that one room with all the with me and my glorious mullet and yep. uh yeah. you know the whiz all attest to uh yeah. you know, the, the, the mullet uh, climate of 1988 to 89 yeah. the, but, the, <laughs> the the old the old I'm cartoon the old cartoon yeah. gig guide for the prince of wales and the sp which were famous oh, yeah. back in the day i mean seeing Freddie negro used to draw that Fred stuff negro, you know, yep and they were Bird, iconic, Bird, you know. Birdcrash Opera, Jimmy, played there. Dale Pro- Pro- well, there of course they did. I know ago. you were made of Dale's too, you know. I just did a thing with Dale uh, last couple of weeks. Uh, we did a thing uh, together. So that was nice. Yep, I heard that. It was great. Dale, that's, that's Dale yeah. was on the show that's a few weeks ago. Yep. yep. And they, yeah, they were, he, that was that, a good job. But the, the, the SP was... Last week. It was great. The SP was the ultimate melting pot, you know. It, it was. You, you know, you had bands on so frequently, the front and back room. And, uh, you know, when I was young, we had the Star Wars bar downstairs where little kids like me didn't really go that much. But, yep. uh, but you know, it was – and it was all sorts. You could see punk rock one night. You could see Hannaford do his thing, Diana yep, Kiss. Diana Kiss. You, you know, Jimmy the Human play out the back room. Phil you could Parra. see Zydeco. Phil Power, of course. The Zydeco Jump would play. Like, yep. it was – everything was on. It was the greatest – it was the greatest hotel ever. Last time and, I uh, saw – Saw Paul Hester. He was playing. He was fronting. Oh, his, the great man. Front, the great man, he Paul Hester. Me. He was fronting his band in the front bar. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, he was. A, of course, he was an Elwood boy, and I lived yep. in Elwood for several years. You yeah, know, tra- and uh, tragedy, wasn't it? So, yeah. so oh, we, it was a terrible thing. Really terrible. He was a yeah. wonderful guy. And um, it was. A, but it was all part of that scene. You know, it was artistic, and everybody, everybody, even if you didn't know each other really well, you knew each other were and, and yep. shared that connection. It was a it was a good time to be in music. There was a camaraderie amongst it really was amongst it really the, was. the art, artistic community in that regard. I mean another person that was, you know, really a spectacular contribution to the Melbourne music, I guess, um, tapestry was also Josie Jason, who you yeah. had a very close relationship with. She played in your band and uh, Yeah, I knew Josie for a long time. I think people don't realise that we went before the Jimmy the Human Inspector Seven band, she was already a long-time friend and associate of mine, and uh, you know she was an integral part of my my personal group. So, um, you know, I met Josie when we were probably playing gigs at the London Tavern back in like '85, maybe '84, '85, something like that. Yeah. And uh, she was an aspiring, you know, rock guitar player. She was a she was a she was an incredible rock guitar player already. And you know, I, we uh, we spent a lot of time together before Jimmy the Human, and, and really, when I put that Jimmy the Human band together, which was the end of, I wouldn't play with the Angels for a tour when Bob Spencer broke his wrist. So that kind of was my catapult into the big league in some ways. That was '88, and um, after that, I got a deal with EMI, uh, and um, 
so I had this had to get a band together. I I, I kind of bullshitted to the record company and said I had a band when I really didn't have one. So I roped in a bunch <laughs> of friends. So that was Robert Yeah, that was yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. who That's I was signed to at that time. Yeah, that big. So so I just put together a band of people to do the gigs that I had booked. I had a half a dozen gigs on the on book to kind of make an album and launch like a a band, and they were going to kind of like streamline it after that. So because Josie was a friend of mine and she's a hell of a player. I just said, will you do this thing with me? She's like, yeah, yeah, that'd be great fun. So then we got Diddy Keys, uh, Bongo Milka did it as well. And that was the band. But, but we had no idea it was going to be successful. You know, like yep. we, we just yep. thought we were going to get this thing together. And so the next couple of years we did that. And then she did her band, which was always going to be what happened, you know. Yep, yeah. Josie Jason and the Argonauts. That's right. Yeah, great band. Great band. So she did a couple of records. And Bob Spencer from the album, uh, from the Angels, he actually produced her first EP with that uh, band. And then she did an album as well. Ah, so yep. um, so they're on Spotify too, I think. Medusa Goes to Market was the name of the EP. And, uh, yeah, Medusa Goes and, to Market. Uh, and um, and uh, Big Water, I think it was the album. Big Water. Yeah, they're, they are both We've on Spotify. We've we'll got our mate on next week, Electric Mary. It's going to be good. He's coming Rusty. over. Oh, Rusty. Rusty's Rusty. coming yep. over. He's one's... Swan's fan, Swan's member. Yeah, he's another one of the good old boys. See, you he's know, great, he's a great rocker. He's, he's big, in, very big in Europe too. Yeah, they do. Electric Mary get over there and do great tours. You know, yeah. so uh, so it's great to see them kicking goals. Yeah, they're doing very well. Just um, one of the reasons we brought up Josie Jimmy is that obviously in the past week, uh, Josie would have turned sixty. There was a That's lot of right. a lot of once yeah. again another outpouring of, sad, uh, of of love and remembering from. The people that follow her on the uh, Josie Jason tribute page on Facebook. Um, yeah, it's always good to see. I mean, I was, you know, Josie was tight, and losing her was—I got to say—it was a, it was a big thing in my world, and and uh, you know, it was one of my real big losses, if you will, you know. Yeah. And um, she nice so every she... time I see, she's oh, she was a great chick and a selfless person, a really good person. So uh, every time I see people who were so affected by that and, and really wanted to just kind of talk about her and and reminisce about her who she was and what she could do uh, it, it, it's good for me too i, re, I really enjoy uh seeing that happen so um yeah 60 hard to believe isn't it you know hard so she's 10, 10 years gone now yeah. it's a long time i remember yeah. it would have been around about uh 94 i had a band mouth cage that were playing the 2am slot at the fox and hounds on flinders street we were there. <laughs> yeah. and uh you'd have um Josie Jason would have her band Mother playing on rotation Mrs. there, and there were a range of different acts. And yeah, this and I always loved Josie. Like I said, as a teenager, yourself and Josie were kind of the, you know, the be all and end all for me in terms of what you could do as a a musician in Melbourne. And um, that's amazing. It's, it's amazing for me to hear that still. You know, like uh, because we live in our own skin, it's hard to know yeah. what effect you're really having. You know, but uh, well, I mean, you, you know, you, you guys had sort of set the bar and. Um, and all I knew was I wanted to do that. You guys were doing it. So, you know, I was kind of yeah. chasing you in that way. But there was this one particular night where we played, you know, we got to play after some great bands and we played after Mother. And, yeah. you know, I was so excited to be playing on the same bill as Josie. <laughs> awesome. And uh, yeah. at the time, you know, I had uh, the, the typical, for the, for the period, had hair halfway down my back and I'd go on stage in a pair of old Levi flares and no shirt. And um, and the the so two, rock and roll. Did you, wear, did you wear moccasins or or treads? No, no, I made I'd have oh, well, bare feet. They had a Persian rug on the stage. So I'd be yeah, barefoot. See, this is like the Chili Pepper Pearl <laughs> yeah. Jam period, isn't it? It was you probably know? around about the you know start of that. But the band was playing a combination <laughs> of originals. But we'd be playing, you know, a bit of Hendrix, a bit of Zeppelin, you know, 
all of that kind classic. of classic stuff. And yeah. this particular, there's two really incredible nights that happened for me at that venue. One of one of which was the night after Mother played. Josie sat to the to basically to my stage right and sat through virtually the whole set. And at the end, when we're packing up, you know, came up to me and told me um, how cool she thought that whole experience was. And it was, you know, I don't think, yeah, right, I, right. I don't think I got a, a proper sentence out and I n- never really got the, uh, the chance to do it in any other way. But in my mind, that was one of the, that was one of the greats. And the other night at, um, at that venue was the place was packed from wall to wall. And all night, right up at the bar at the back of the place, I could see this group of older guys that just weren't budging. And I was rocking my ass off, thinking, yeah. why the fuck won't these guys get into it, right? <laughs> and at the end of the night, you know, I'd forgotten about it. Everything's getting packed up. And these guys walked up and they came up and said, um, thanked me for the show. And it was actually the guys out of the band, The Valentines, that, oh, were, right th- that were there. Um, one of the guy's sons had played drums in the band before me. And the yeah. guys were saying they were there for that, but they all got together because it was some kind of anniversary oh, for anniversary their experience with, with Bon. And then yeah. they said that they walked into a venue where there's a guy with long hair wearing a pair of flares with no shirt who's basically cracking VB cans on stage. And we sung a couple of old <laughs> Bon ACDC tracks. Yeah. And they, they was said it, it was just a, a moment for them. So, <laughs> that was Tony. <laughs> that was uh, two, two things that happened in that venue. But... Um, Anyway, I mean, enough about me. I before we talk that's, about what you're doing. That's a good doing, story. <laughs> enough about you, Tony. Enough about me. What do you, me. What what do you think, think of me? <laughs> <laughs> before we talk about what's happening in in the Jimmy Hocking world now, I just wanted to also mention too that you, your father would have been a pretty massive influence in your world musically. Oh yeah, no doubt. My dad was a, you know, my dad was the real deal uh, in music. He. Uh, uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the history of Australian music, a couple of things of note, you know, that's the first people to receive an OAM, and so a Queen's Birthday Honours for, uh, for the arts in music, were my dad, Kevin Hocking, and the great maestro Tommy Tico in Sydney, who simultaneously won the award. And, um, and my dad, I think, would be known to all of the musicians, many of whom are not with us anymore, but he, my dad would be known to them as the first Australian piano player on commercial television on Australia. IMT, uh, in Australia, right? On in, the IMT show. Yep. That's correct. With Graham Kennedy and of course uh, dad's old mate Billy Hyde on the drums. Billy Hyde played on drums. Yeah. Billy Hyde trio for many years. So I grew up around a, a really extremely positive musical environment. Yeah. My mother was an opera singer too by the way. Uh, it, but it, I was It was opera... almost it was bound to happen in the to, to have somebody 70s, like you Jimmy, eh? come out of the world. Honestly how did it not happen? You know, like yeah. it was, it was on the cars the whole way. Yeah. And um, I got to be in the studio with dad as a kid, you know, I'd be like literally sitting in the studio and they'd say, okay, shush now because we're recording. Well, they recorded like famous records with everybody from, you know, Barry Humphreys to Kamal, you know, like people like that, that they always work for. Dad played Smacker Fitzgibbon's band for years as well. And did all these other things, uh, John English, all these people were dad's mates. And so I spent my youth around all those people and so for me, the bar was set very high. You know, my, I, I, I didn't think, you know, I never felt you're a, like I was. A, you're a showbiz kid, mate. I, that's exactly what I call us, you know. And, remember remember um, John, John English? He was in that show all together now. Oh, I remember him very well. Yeah, all together now, yeah, he did remember? that show. So he was a great, yeah, I think singer. Dad was in the original pit band for JC Superstar when John was doing that. So that would be in the mid-70s. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they, they met then. 
and uh, remained friends for many years and then did those uh, those shows, uh, Pirates of Penzance and all those things that John and Dad. My dad was a musical director for all those shows. So um, so he had a long career. He, we lost Dad about two years ago. But, um, yeah, sorry you know, to hear he about was, that, mate. Yeah, thanks, man. But he, he was such a positive influence on me, you know, still. He really, to this day, because he was, you know, he had such incredibly high musicianship that I still look to that as the kind of blueprint of how you, how to do it, basically. Yeah, I, I can understand that. You know, knowing that you were coming on the podcast and just, you know, doing a little bit of research, obviously I'd come across the um, the past experiences of your dad and I thought, well, yeah. you can't really understand the Jimmy Hawking story unless, you know, yeah. you, you hear that part of it. Well, now. you're right on it because exactly, you know, I, I was story, the product. Jimmy. Yeah, I was the product of all of that history. That that's how I ended up being so tenacious about music, you know, and 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 one of the people that's kind of still here, I suppose. So, for any of our listeners out there, if you want to know how to reach the lofty heights of Jimmy Hawking, just got to get yourself an opera singer mother, and a, <laughs> and a basically a um, a trailblazing father on piano. Yeah, it's a piece of piss, really. Piece it's, of cake. Uh, that's all you got to do. <laughs> Mate, so what, what's happening with Jimmy Hawking? And the, is it the blues machine these days? What's, what's Yeah, the... I, I, still, I still call it the blues machine. It's just a name I came up with like everything else, you know, at some yep. point. But that band's been going now uh, for the best part of probably 20-odd years. Yep. And uh, I did it on the side of my Jets things. I mean, there was a couple of years in the middle of my tenure with the Jets where I left the band and we sort of stopped playing, actually. And I spent a bit of time in the States. So I was basing myself in and out of New York and um, sort of going over there and playing some clubs by myself. I got an agent in Atlanta for a spell and did a couple of tours. And then I, I actually won an award in Memphis, which the uh, called the um, International Blues Challenge. Really? So I was, yeah, I was one of two people outside of America to ever win it. That's so, fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, that was really cool. And uh, they call you the unsigned blues artist of the year for a year while you're there. Yeah, so right. I did quite a bit of touring over there at that point uh and so that was that's kind of still the basis for the blues machine thing uh but i still do these folky gigs too like these acoustic gigs so i've actually got a new album which i've been kind of like boiling up for the last six or seven years and uh it's kind of like a acoustic blues folk album i suppose is the way i could describe it it's probably not accurate is that to the moon so blue that's exactly right. So I just launched it as we were kind of in between lockdowns. So it's kind of a little bit on the back burner still. But when we come out of all this, I'll kind of give it another push. Uh, so that's To The Moon So Blue. So and, what's, uh, the, what's the lineup of the band on that album? What, what's Well, it's all me. So there's no band. Okay. <laughs> but, so you're, so, uh, so there, is, there any, is there any rhythm section of any kind or is it, is it all? I've saw, is there percussion on it, which percussion? I use like a stomp, a stomp box and okay. a tambourine like, like you you see, um, you know, a soloist do uh, yeah, right. like that. Uh, there's bass guitar, there's an acoustic and electric guitar, some mandolin, even a little bit of sitar. Are you doing your own it, harmonies in this? It's just me. And I've got my sister. My sister I've got two sisters, great singers, and i got one of my sisters who was nearby. She came in and did some vocals on about two or three of the tracks. Great. i got my kids to record a few bits and pieces as well. What sort of stuff so, did the kids do? Well, I just had them do, uh, it's yeah, even a couple of years ago that they did it. They read to me from a book. And I flew it into one of the to the tracks. I read to me from the Megan Mog book. You read the Megan Mog book? Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a there's a part in one of those books where the witch blows herself up and she says, "Boom!" 
So, uh, yeah. So one of the tracks is called Boom. Friday night. Boom. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come down. We'll come down. Watch one of your gigs when you open up, uh, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah that's, it'll December, be nice, you know. January. Bit of luck. It's like there's going to be a couple of things on in November that I'll I'm drag, still I'll trying to piece together. Couple of Kojaks, sneaking. Uh, oh, mate. Couple of Kojaks. He's referring to me and our technical associate, Nikki Nikki D, who both have polished heads. Yeah, I'm on the way. Don't worry, I'm on the way. Hey, Jimmy, I um, when I was in the studio earlier this year, before uh, before everything kind of went crazy again, I took both my five and six year old daughters in there and I recorded their heartbeats. Oh, really? And in one of the songs, I've I've mixed the sounds of their heartbeats in with the kick drum. Uh, that is awesome. Yeah, so the song starts with a heart beating yeah. that we've used a kick drum to trigger the sound. Yeah. Um, and then it then joins with the kick drum through the song. And then at the end of the song, as the kick drum sort of finishes and tails off, the kick drum fades out and fades into just the remaining heartbeats. Lisa's heartbeat. That's awesome. You know, Lisa, yeah. Lisa's heartbeat's a lot faster when she sees me. <laughs> especially tonight. Heart, she's, a, she's, out, she's only human. She's only she, human. She's heard her heart always skips a beat, Jimmy. I just said I'd throw that in. One glow. Yeah. One dog. That's one right. bone. Big kennel. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I want to keep my girl away from you, Wiz. I'm, I'm trying to keep her, you know. Yeah. I don't want any bad influences, you know. <laughs> Uh, Jimmy, mate, it's been an absolute extraordinary discussion. Well, thank you so much. As you know, we had Pleasure. the, the beautiful time, Nat, Nat Ellison on before you on the show tonight. I uh, love Nat. She's a beauty, that girl. She's Very absolutely nice. incredible. We we played her song, We Are The Heroes, before you came on. That was great. Yep. Um, Nat, we had a bit of a discussion, and Nat said that she's happy to come back and do a part two with you at some point. Do you think that, you know, once, uh, once we get out of lockdown, we can do a... a part two of this conversation learn a little bit more yeah. about what you're doing we'll do a live one absolutely love to love to do live it. one at my place yeah that'd be that'd be phenomenal well yeah. jimmy face we're, face. we're going to uh we're going to send off the uh show tonight with a new single from your album to the moon so blue um jimmy hocking and we'll get and we'll get jim an intro today yeah um on, beha- on behalf of Warwick Capper and myself and all of our listeners just want to say thank you so much on for the your time podcast thanks for your time and, Thank um, you for your time. Thanks for your support too. We appreciate that. No worries, no worries what at about all, mate. You introing your own song, and we've got uh, we've got your single coming out. So this is uh, Jimmy Hawking's. Is it the new Jimmy Hawking record uh, to the Moon So Blue? And this song is called "How Am I Going to Get By." How am I going to get by by Jimmy Hawking? Jimmy Hawking. Thank you for your time Jimmy on the Hawking, podcast. Warwick, we love, love you. you. Yeah. podcast. Take care, buddy. Which is for James and Jimmy. Bye, mate.
was How Am I Gonna Get By by Jimmy Hocking from oh, the album. Fun. What a great song, eh? To the Moon So Blue. I mean, Jimmy is a spectacular talent. He's like Jimi Hendrix, sort of, isn't he? You know, the... Foxy yeah, well, Lady. Foxy <laughs> <laughs> Lady, all right. Yeah, I mean, just having Jimmy on the show and Nat on the show, but um, both incredible artists. Two great artists. Just fantastic. How's Nat's song a little earlier? Oh, in we are the heroes. Yeah, that was She's supremely talented. She's like Delta Goodrum, isn't she? Mate, she, well, mate, she is... She's up there with her. I'd like to see Delta Goodrum play the guitar the way Nat Ellison does. She wouldn't be able to... Only piano. <laughs> Nat is an absolute weapon on the guitar. And um, just how nice is she? She's yeah. just a great person. Great personality too, yeah. Just a really good person. Um, and always has been. And it's a bit like myself, salt of the earth, I would say. <laughs> salt of the earth. Thank you for saying it, Tony. Or do I say it myself? Nat, you are salt of the earth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's one way of putting it, mate. Um don't try to be funny, Tony. Doesn't suit you. <laughs> Take your mask off. I'm not wearing one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is it is a mask. Nikki D, you, you've been told not to be heard on the show. Thank you. Um, surprised that Nikki D still got a job here. Oh yeah, he's on. He's on thin ice. <laughs> Very thin th- ice, as usual. <laughs> Does he do anything anymore? No, he doesn't. I mean, fuck. actually, I'll rephrase. Did he fucking ever do he anything? Does fuck all. He does fuck all. <laughs> Actually, he actually scares the kids away. <laughs> he scares the kids away. Yeah, well, it's probably a good thing. Um, really not a, a kid-friendly show, is it? Not really, no. But, you know, Nat Ellison, incredible artist, just an, an even better person. Jimmy Hocking is certainly somebody that I've looked up to and admired. Two for of the best. Up there with Dale Ryder. Many years. <laughs> Dale Ryder. Three of the best. And speaking of four of the best, what about next week? Next week. Olive Tree Mary, one of the best in the world. Rusty Brown coming up next week. And loves the Caps and loves the Swans, so he's in my Hall of Fame top four <laughs> in my man cave. You reckon that uh, Rusty might uh, secure a little bit of real estate on the wall? Yep, he will, because he's, he's written a song about me last year, and we're going to actually play it next week. Really? I've got a surprise for you. I haven't told you that yet. Yeah. But he's, he's going to bring it in. Is he really? And he's written a song about... Swans and me, so I'm very happy with myself. I'm very happy with him. We're going to do that live, or we're going to play that. Is that something he's recorded? He's recorded that for me. Is he? Yeah. Oh, it's a surprise for you. Ah. I know you probably off the toilet. You're that excited, <laughs> but I didn't want to tell you. But yeah. so, we're going to sing it. I'm breaking me and a Rusty. fucking. I'll be breaking an Olympic record with that. And you know, Rusty, he, he um, he, he he's the the backup band for Deep Purple. Yes, Electric Mary did support Deep that? Purple. That would that? be uh, that would be quite incredible. Fantastic. Do you, were you a fan of Deep Purple yourself, Wes? Yes, David Coverdale. Always and the, the Dave, well, I mean, yeah, that's Ian Gillen. Yep, that was Ian Gillen. Yep. Deep Purple. My, my favourite part, my favourite, uh, I guess, version of Deep Purple was definitely David Coverdale and Glenn Hughes on the bass. Yeah, fantastic. So the album Stormbringer, Burn, Come Taste the Band, that yep. period, just incredible. But Rusty Brown, so how did you guys meet anyway? I met the, uh, Rusty because um, he's a good friend of Dar Ryder for Burn Crash. Yep. I sing with them and um, I'll get up and done a couple of songs at the, the Electric 80s. Okay. So I've done a few gigs with them and um, Taxi Ride. Yep. So I, I met him for that way and we, I've been to seven or eight gigs. Went to one of his gigs and um, he was the pre-band for Baby Animals. Yeah, another and great, that was, another that great that Australian was, band. That was a great session, brought Lisa along. She's very happy with herself. Did you enjoy that night, Lisa? 
Yeah, you did. did. She enjoy it. <laughs> oh, she didn't want to pay to get in, but she enjoyed, she enjoyed going there. She didn't mind the VIP room afterwards either. Why would Lisa have to pay to get in anywhere when she's with you? Aren't you, you on every VIP listing to I made sure um, the, the lead singer of Baby Animals knew me. Did you? Very quickly. Susie DiMarchi? Yeah. She's actually married she's to one of the... She's looking pretty the, sexy, wasn't she? Mate, Susie is, is pretty special. She's great. Great talent. She's also been married to uh, one of the greatest guitarists in the world, Nuno Betancourt. Really? Yeah. The guitar player from the band Extreme. Can you spell your surname? I can. Yeah, okay, let's see if we can do it. Yeah, I'll get a pen and paper later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate, Wiz, it's been uh, another another exciting show on the T-Wiz podcast. It's been a slice... Tony, it's been, a it's been a slice of cake. A slice of cake. <laughs> it's been a slice of pie. It's been a piece of heaven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over electric mirror next week. It's going to be shit hot. Yeah. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks very much for tuning into another episode of the T Wiz podcast, The Wizard Warwick Kappa, Tony Marks. You've been great. We'll see you all next Coming week. Coming up next week. There you Rusty are. Brown from Electric Mirror. Boom. <laughs>